James chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 12 tonight. But I want to just read a verse from 2 Timothy to begin. Uh, 2 Timothy, a familiar scripture to most of you. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. Let me read that again. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to, to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Uh, I really like that scripture because I think so often we want to come to church and, you know, even scripture tells us that, that we're gonna, there's going to come a time where we long to hear what our itching ears want to hear, where we go seek preachers who are going to make us laugh and tell us things to make us feel good, but really isn't changing our life at all. And really that's contrary to scripture because scripture says that scripture should be teaching us what is right and wrong. To, scripture should be uh, showing us uh, what we're doing wrong, teaching us how to do what's right so that we can be prepared, a ready people, prepared for every good work. James, this whole book of James is such a practical application. I love it. There's, there's something in every verse that we can take and apply to our life. James has been challenging us throughout the, 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 the last couple chapters to make sure that we're not deceived, to make sure that our faith is genuine. And now, tonight, he's going to give us another test in chapter 3 to measure the genuineness of our profession, the profession of our faith. Is it the real deal? And here's one way you can check your life to see that. And it begins with the mouth. James chapter 3, uh, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a, is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and yet on fire by hell. It's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast of and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water. Father, we just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is powerful, it's active, 
It's going to change our lives tonight. I really believe that, Lord. And so, Father, I'm asking for insight. I'm asking for wisdom. I pray that you keep a lock over my lips, and I would say only what you tell me to say. Lord, time is short, and so I pray that you'd help me to be brief but effective. Lord, I pray that your word, you just shine your light on it and that we would have an understanding of it and an application of it like we've never had before. Be glorified in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. James in chapter 3 is going to talk to us. He's devoting a whole chapter to the mouth. What does that tell you? And so if, if Scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, it's interesting to me that James is not going to talk to us about heart issues here. He's going to talk to us about mouth issues because what he understands is what's inside of us is going to come out and the avenue is going to be used to bring it out is our mouth. And so we've got to be careful and guard our mouth. We've got to guard it. He begins in verse uh, 1 by, by saying, my brother, and again, he's talking to believers in, in the book of James. It's directed to Christians, to believers, to you and to me. We're not off the hook because we're believers. He's directing this to us as believers, saying we've got to look at our mouths. We've got to take into account our mouths. He's saying that controlling, in verse 2, he, he, he's saying controlling the tongue is a mark of maturity. It's how people can tell that you are maturing by listening to what's coming out of your mouth or better yet, what's not coming out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that the tongue holds the power of life and death. And we're going to see that as we, as we go through chapter 3 in the weeks to come. It's just fascinating to me that we, like God, God spoke and it came into being. We have the power of life and death in our tongue. James is telling us three important things about the tongue in this passage. I don't often uh, divide my teaching with three points, but I really think tonight it's really important. I, I, he, he says the power has, or the tongue has the power to direct. It has the power to destroy. And it has the power to decree and declare. Whether it be life it's decreeing or death, it has the power to do that. So the tongue has the power to, to direct, it has the power to destroy, and it has the power to decree and to declare. Let's just look at what he's saying here. James chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. He says, We all stumble in many ways. If we don't stumble in what we say, we're a perfect man, we're mature, able to bridle our whole body. But then he goes on to talk about uh, the, the ability of the mouth to direct or the tongue to direct. He says, if we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their bodies as well. Has anybody ever ridden a horse? When I was a little girl growing up, we had three horses. We had, uh, they were Samson and Delilah and Dolly. That's what, those are their names. And uh, Samson was a stallion, and he was a stallion who we could never break. We, we couldn't ride him. He, he really controlled us. We didn't control him. And we would try to put a bridle on him, and he would move his head so that you couldn't do it. And we tried to put the bit in his mouth, and, and he, would, he would 
whipped his head up and down so that we couldn't do it. And so we could never ride him because we knew that that bridle and that bit is what really would allow us to direct him and to, to guide him along the path. He was over a thousand pounds. He was a massive horse. And as a little girl growing up, I rode those horses. I rode Delilah, who, who was an Appaloosa, and she was massive. And I was this little tiny girl, and yet I could ride her and guide her because I had a bit in her mouth. And that bit didn't matter if she was was a thousand pounds heavier than I was, that bit enabled me to, to direct her where I wanted her to go. And that is the picture that James is drawing here. He's saying that, that the, the power of the tongue, it's a small muscle, a small muscle in our mouth. It's small. Look at my body in relation to my tongue. And yet he's saying that tongue it has the ability, Rhea, to guide and direct your, your life in ways you don't want it to go. Like Samson. Sometimes I don't want my mouth to be controlled. I want to do things my own way, and it gets me in trouble every single time. And that's the picture he's drawing there. He's saying even though the mouth is small, it is powerful. And then he goes on to, to give us another illustration. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. And Dave and I uh, have been on a cruise ship. We were on a very large cruise ship one time, and, and, and it was fascinating to me. Dave is always, he likes to look at the way things work. He likes to get behind the scenes and check things out. And, and so he's always pointing out uh, the, the rudder on the ship to me when it's up uh, on a dry dock. Let's say we love to watch it on TV, and they show you how a ship is made. How many tons do you think a ship is, Dave? Yeah. 225,000 tons the ship weighs. But a rudder, it, it's small in comparison to the ship, but that probably weighs a good ton, wouldn't you say? And the rudders are these two little tiny things on the bottom of the ship, and, and a massive, massive cruise ship is, is able to be directed, the captain or the pilot of the ship directs that ship by those rudders. Those little tiny rudders, this massive cruise ship is directed by those rudders, controlled by those rudders. A big storm could come up and buffet that cruise ship and they are still, they're, they're able to guide that ship because of the rudders. But the pilot, the captain is the one who, who has control as long as he has control of the rudders. And that's the picture that James is drawing there for us. He's saying that, that our, that's like our mouth. It's like our tongue. It, it is, there, it's a small thing, but it has the power to guide and direct your life in an area in a way that you don't want it to. It's interesting to me that a pilot, he, when he goes into a dock to dock that, that cruise ship, it's so, he's so smooth and easy. He doesn't even bump the sides uh, of the dock. He's able to guide that ship with those little rudders. But as long as the pilot has control of the rudders, he's able to guide it. We've got to take control of our tongue. We've got to get control of it. On that cruise ship that we were on, they had a master switch as you came into the, the, the cabin. Uh, where you're staying, and, 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 and it was interesting. We would accidentally hit it, and then all of a sudden our room would get really hot, and we'd be fooling with the thermostat, trying to turn the thermostat up and get it cooler in there, and it didn't work. And so finally we called maintenance, and they came in, and they said, this is a master switch here. 
And, and if you accidentally turn that off, it doesn't matter how many times you flip these other switches, you're not going to be able to affect the temperature in the room because it's all under the control of that master switch. So when that master switch is off, everything's off. Nothing works. And it was interesting to me when I was studying this passage, I thought our tongue is like a master switch. If we got to get control of that, if we flip that thing off, it controls everything else in our life. I'm not going to be nasty. I'm not going to be unkind. I'm not going to let that stuff come out of my mouth because my master switch is off. I have control of the master switch. What would our lives look like if we got control of our master switch, if we switched it off? I'm going to switch hatred off. It's not going to come out my master switch. I'm going to switch unforgiveness off. I'm not going to speak those things. I'm going to switch gossip off. I'm going to turn off the master switch. I'm going to get control, and we can have control. We have the fruit of the Spirit, self-control living within us. We do not have to let this little muscle rule our life, direct our life. James is saying, He's giving us two examples of something that's small but powerful. And then he goes on and he talks in the next verse. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it's set on fire by hell. The tongue has the power to destroy. It can be a destructive force. It has the power to speak life or death, but so often we choose to let it speak death. James is using a picture of a fire. He's saying a small spark can cause a lot of deadly damage. A fire can be uncontrollable, and sometimes we think our mouth is uncontrollable. We can't get control. This is just who I am. My family's Italian. We, we lose our temper, or this is just how my mom was before me. This is what we learned. Sometimes I think we think it's a sign of strength. The Bible says that the tongue boasts of great things, and sometimes I think that we think it's a sign of strength that we have a mouth. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to believe that. I used to say, listen, I'm a strong woman. You do not want to mess with me. And I thought it was a great sign of strength that, that, that I could think on my feet, that, that, that if you came at me, I could come back at you twice as hard, that I could knock you down a peg and keep you small. I thought that that was strength in my life. That was weakness. Can I tell you that that's weakness? Strength is controlling the master switch. And sometimes I think we boast and we think, well, I'm just, we use nicer words. I'm just strong. No, you don't have control of your master switch. You're choosing to speak death with your, light, with your mouth instead of life. You don't have a guard over your lips. And James is saying, do you want to grow up and be mature and complete and not lacking anything? Do, do you want to, to really walk out the faith that you're professing? Then it's important that we keep a watch over our mouth. James saying, every kind of beast and creature has been tamed by man, but no human being can tame the tongue. And, and he says it's a, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with it, we bless the Lord and we curse a man that's made in God's image. And lots in those couple verses. But, but what I'm struck by is, is he's saying no human being can tame it. No human being can, but God can. 
How many of you have just willed to try to get control of your tongue? You can't do it in your own strength. You need God to do it for you. You need to him to take control of your master switch. You need to him to be the pilot taking control of the rudders. He says, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. Leslie has a, a home in Florida, and she has a property manager, and we were talking with her one day, and she said, you know, do you see this little red dot on my foot? And, and her foot was, was kind of puffy, and, and it was, there was a red dot, and, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, JC, I think that that's a snake bite. And, and she said, oh, no, no, no. She said, my husband thought maybe it was too and thought I should go to the emergency room. And I'm like, I really think there's two fang bites there, two fang marks there. And I really honestly believe that that's a snake bite. And she said, you know, water moccasins, water moccasins are all over this area. And she said, it could, be, it could have been. But she said, I'm not really worried about it. And then we saw her a little bit later, and it was getting puffier and puffier. And we're like, JC, I think you need to go to the hospital. And sure enough. She was bit by a cotton by a cottonmouth, I think. It was nasty. So she came, and they had this like black line drawn drew all around her the snake bite. And they said, now if it starts to swell beyond <laughs> that black line, you need to get to the hospital quickly. They had given her some anti-venom, but it, they, they said if it continued to swell beyond that black line, it meant that the venom w was spreading up her leg. And they said that that's what would happen, is that venom, the poison in it, would continue to spread throughout her body, not just at the bite site. And when I read that the tongue is full of deadly poison, I thought about that. How many times has somebody ever said something cutting to you, and it hurt, you felt the bite, <laughs> but then it began to spread throughout your life? You started to believe it, and you started to replay it. You started to meditate on it, and that deadly poison began to take over your life. Those trauma eggs that I talked to you about, uh, that's what I see. I see that poison that maybe got, got put into somebody as a child is still affecting them as, as an adult man or adult woman because that poison, that venom spread. That's what our words can do, church. James says it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He said, with the same mouth, we praise God. And then we curse somebody who's made in the image and the likeness of God. I can't even tell you how much this got me. As I, as I, was, as I was studying, I was thinking, you know, I was watching people's conversations around me. I was watching and, and, and was, was aware of my own conversations. And I thought, well, how, how I can use my mouth. How I was sitting in a conversation with somebody and we were in a group with a group of people and, and they were yucking it up and we were all laughing and having a good time. And then I saw a whisper take place over here between two of between two of the women, and I thought, oh, that was not very nice. You were just yucking it up and laughing, and now you're whispering about somebody in the next room. That should not be. But church, how often do we do that? How often do we come to church and we're praising God and hallelujah and isn't it good? And then we're going to talk about somebody behind their back, and James says that should not be. It should not be. Or how we can tear somebody down so quickly and, and we forget they were made in the image and the likeness of God. And it's our mouth that we're doing that with. 
And James is saying, listen, I'm telling you this for your own good. I want to grow up the church, he's saying. I want you. I want to prove your faith genuine. I want you to just not say you have faith. I want to see you walk it out. And part of walking that out is keeping a lock over your lips. Refusing to have any part of gossip. Refusing to be critical. Refusing to be negative. Refusing to let that deadly poison come out of your mouth. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself first and foremost. It is something that God has me working on in my life. What if everything that, that we, what if I heard, I think it was Robert Morris said that he had a friend that, that always before he was ready to speak, heard him, he said that he would say to himself, wait, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? And he would stop and say, why am I going to say what is about to come out of my mouth? Is it, is it that important? I, I saw somebody say think, and, and they spelled it out like a, an acrostic, T-H-I-N-K. And, and they said, is it thoughtful? Is it honest? Is it, and they just went down, is it necessary? Is it kind? And if it wasn't, don't say it. And what would happen if we went down through that checklist? Uh, in in um, Ephesians 4, 29, I think through 31, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That word unwholesome was a word that was used in Paul's day to describe the fish that had set out in the dock too long in the sun. It was a picture of, of something that was foul and smelly. And, and what he was saying is, don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Don't let any unwholesome, foul-smelling gossip, lies, malice, slander, curse words, unkind words. Don't let it come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. It's interesting, I looked up that, that, that passage in the Amplified, and it said that it would aid to the spiritual progress of somebody who's hearing it. Do your words, do my words that I speak to somebody, do they aid in the spiritual progress of that person? Will that person be strengthened as a result of what I say? You can ask my team. I, I love them, my, but I feel like my, my whole goal in life is to, to sharpen them so they can sharpen you. And my whole goal, when I speak to them, they'll tell you, here she goes again. She's quoting more scripture to us. She's preaching at us again. Do I or do I not? And I know sometimes they're like, Rhea, can we just have a normal conversation? Can we just talk about the, 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 the sale down the Boston store? No, we can't. I got this much time with you, and you're going to hear everything I have to say. And I'm constantly pouring, 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 pouring into them because here's what I know. My words need to make sure that they are progressing spiritually. That's what our conversation should all be filled with. Uh, Ephesians 4, 29 through 31. Don't let an unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up so that they will progress spiritually because of the conversation that you just had with them. Do not want that. I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I don't care what people say. I, here's what I want. I want to leave an imprint of, of Jesus behind. This morning or tonight, I came in for prayer and I made Dave and Kendall some pot roast and gravy in the crock pot all day while I was at work. And so I was at home changing my clothing and I came in to pray and I sat down and I thought, oh my 
goodness, I smell like pot roast and gravy. And I knew that everybody in the room, when I came in, that smell had just spilled the whole prayer room. And I, I was really mindful of it. And I was sitting there saying to the Lord, they're going to think I didn't take a shower today because I smell like pot roast and gravy. And I'm pretty sure if I just come close to you, you'll smell it too because it's all over me. It was in my house. It filled my whole house. And now it's all over me as a result. And as I was sitting there talking to the Lord about it, he said to me, you are the fragrance of Christ. Just like that pot roast filled the atmosphere of your house and now you smell like it, you've carried it into this room. You need to sit in my presence, Rhea, and let my presence fill your life in such a way that when you walk into the room, the fragrance of Christ comes in with you and you leave an imprint behind because of it. Did a woman ever walk by you that had just sprayed perfume and like she walked by you and, and the air behind her just like smelled so good? That's what I want. Do you not want that? That our mouth just reveals our hearts. And our hearts are so full of Jesus that what pours forth are words that will help somebody's spiritual life just progress because of it. That we build others up and encourage them instead of tearing them down. Can I tell you, this is the last place in the world that people should get torn down. Dave and I were talking the other day, I was talking about an issue uh, that I'd heard about. And I said to him, Dave, if any one of my team members, and you can ask the team, they will tell you they know this. If I so much as heard the smallest negative thing come out of their mouths, Karen, what would happen? Did you hear? She would be off the team. Because I will not tolerate that. You will not be on this team and rip anybody down in front of me. We are here to build one another up, to encourage them, to speak well of them. That is what we're all about. And it grieves me. It grieves me to hear churches who are removing people from their staff because they didn't meet the criteria. We should be the biggest encouragers in the whole wide world. If I have a problem with Karen, instead of saying, Karen, you're gone, I should be saying, Karen, how can I help you? How can I walk through this with you? How can I support you in this? How can I strengthen you so that you are better at this instead of removing you from it? This mouth, we have got to start speaking life into people. With the same mouth, we praise God, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Good to see you, sister. Let me quote you some scripture. And then we go gossip about that same person that we spoke, we spoke hallelujah, praise the Lord to. That should not happen. That should not happen. Wives, the Bible says a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her very own hands. We need to, the Bible says men love your wives, but wives, what are you told to do? Respect your husbands. A wise woman builds her house. A foolish one tears it down with her very own hands. We have the power to speak life 
with our mouths or we can speak death. Parents, I raised seven. <laughs> I feel like I'm just starting to understand a little bit <laughs> with number seven. Dave and I were talking the other night and how we have done things so much completely different with Kendall than we did with Danny, uh, you know, the first and the last. And, and it's interesting to me how I realized, well, I don't need to, the things I just don't need to sweat anymore. The, the arguments that I would have had that would have been <laughs> just gotten way out of control that now I'm like, no big deal, just let it go. It's not a big deal. I've learned what matters and what doesn't matter. And I'm just going to tell you, parents, we have the ability to speak life into our children we need to choose our battles wisely because speaking life will do so much more than speaking the death scripture says fathers don't exasperate your children I think sometimes we exasperate but when we just uh, we just don't speak life I'll never forget uh, our son, one of our sons I won't tell you which one he is um, just near and dear to my heart and and he was doing some naughty things when he was growing up he's now in his late 20s and but but he was doing some naughty things when he was growing up and I lost sleep over it mom does anybody understand that I would lay awake and just lose sleep over it and 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 I would go through his drawers I know that none of you do that but I go through his drawers I go out in his car and go through his car and I, I'd look through his backpack and I was just making myself just crazy just worrying about him and and, and I would be nag, 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 nag to him and, and because I just wanted him to make good choices. And, and then one day the Lord said, I want you to speak life into him. Call the treasure out that I put inside of him. He's just forgotten there's one in there. You call it out. That's your job as a mama. You start calling it out. And I can tell you, he was in his young teens at the time, and he's late 20s now, and I can still tell you where he was standing in the kitchen, what he was wearing, because it's so imprinted in my mind. He was getting something out of the refrigerator, and I said, so-and-so, I called him by name, and, and I said, do you know that you are so much like your daddy? And he looked at me and I said, you have his tender heart. You have such a shepherd's heart. And I said, you just have no idea how much God is going to use you someday because you have such a sweet, tender heart inside of you. And I know that God is so pleased with you. And he looked at me like she's lost her mind. I'm doing the naughtiest things in the whole wide world and she's telling me that I have a tender shepherd's heart. And, and, and he turned and looked at me and he said, do you really believe that? And I said, I do. I really, really believe that. And I'm telling you, that was a turning point in his life. That day, things started to change. And they didn't start changing because I was going through his stuff and, and I had caught him doing this, 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 and this. They changed because I realized there was a treasure inside of him that he forgot was there. And my job as a mama was going to be to start calling that thing forward. And he started to live out what I spoke into him. Do, do you see it? And so often we're, we're speaking the negative over them that they already are fully aware is there. And instead I started speaking the positive. We have the power of life and death and our mouth should be used to build people up so that they can progress spiritually. James is saying our, our mouth can be like a, a poisonous viper. It can deposit poison into people. Once that's out, we can't take it back. It's like a toothpaste in a toothpaste tube. If I had toothpaste up here and I squeezed it out and, and then I said to you, can you put it back in my tube? You couldn't do that. And that's like our words. Once those words are out, we can't take them back. 
may, may take 10 seconds to say them, but 10 years later, they're still being remembered. Our mouth holds the power of life and death. Then James goes on to finish, and he says, uh, he's talking about fresh water and bitter water. He says, from the same mouth come blessing and curses, my brother. This should not be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It, what he's saying is, Two waters can't mix. They won't come out of the same spring. I, I was born and raised in rural Pennsylvania, and my grandmother would take us up into the mountains, and she would take jar, uh, big uh, milk jugs, uh, plastic milk jugs, and fill them up with spring water because it's so fresh and it's so cold and delicious and refreshing. And, and so I would go with her up into to the mountains to these springs, and I, never one time did I taste spring water that was sweet and, and delicious and pure one time, and then the next time it'd be full of bit, bitterness. It just didn't happen. And what he's saying is they don't mix. Out of the same spring can't come bitter water and fresh. It just doesn't happen that way. And, and let's just say I, I had a spring with salt water and one with, with, with pure water. If I added salt water to that pure, it would just take a little drop of salt water to make it salty as well. Are you following me? And so what he's saying is what's inside of you will come out. Pa uh, Pastor Ed, when he was here, he said, Rhea, your mouth is anointed. You have an anointed mouth that God wants to use, and you need to guard it because fresh water and bitter water cannot come from that mouth. You've got to make sure only fresh water is coming. And, and that's what James is saying here. He's saying our mouth is like a spring where fresh water and bitter water can't flow from that same spring. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. What's inside of you will come out. And so we need to guard our heart because out of it flows the wellsprings of life. Bitter water there, the word bitter means brackish. It, means it, it has suffered contamination somehow. In closing, let's just talk about that for a moment. He's saying, out of the same spring, out of the same mouth, fresh water and bitter can't flow. And if it's bitter water, it's bitter because it's suffered contamination. Can I just tell you, what's inside your heart? Are you harboring unforgiveness? Are you harboring jealousy? Are you harboring anger about something? Did somebody do you dirty and you just can't seem to let it go? I promise you, that will contaminate your spring. It'll contaminate your spring because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's what I'm learning. Nobody can hurt me enough to make me bitter and angry. I don't want it anymore. I don't want that garbage coming out of my mouth anymore. I'm not going to give somebody that kind of power in my life anymore. I want God to use my mouth. I want my mouth to be set apart for him. And so as a result, it's my responsibility to guard my heart. To say, I, you hurt me deeply, but there is nothing you could do that could be worth contaminating this spring. I'm not buying into it. I'm not going to do it. That's why gossip. I'm telling you, you could come and tell me the juiciest piece of gossip, and I would walk away from you because I'd be like, I am not contaminating my spring. I am not participating in that conversation. I am not contaminating the spring. Somebody could say something awful to me, and I could think, I'm going to tell them a thing or two. And I could. But it's not worth it to me anymore because I am not contaminating my spring. Out of the same mouth, 
fresh water and bitter can't flow. With the same mouth, we, we, we praise God and we curse a man who's made in his image, and that should not be. Church, I'm going to challenge you. I know you think, what's the big deal, Rhea? Just words. We're going to find out the big deal in the next couple of weeks. Fascinating study. You're going to love it. I promise you. We just had to get over uh, these first couple verses just so you had an understanding of them before we went into it. But I promise you, it'll be life-changing. But this week, I really want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with a word fast. I've been feeling for a couple weeks now that the Lord has been calling me to a place of fasting. And I keep saying, Lord, what does that look like? What do you want me to fast? I'll do whatever you tell me. You know, do you want me to give up a meal? Do you want me to give up two meals? Do you want me to give up three meals? What, what does it look like? And I've been praying about fasting, and I just felt like I could not uh, get his heart there. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to step into the fast because I hadn't heard from him. And today, I heard the word word fast. Now, you know, if you've said under my ministry, you know, for me, fasting, I believe scripturally is always food. It, the word fast, when Jesus talks about it, it means to cover the mouth. And I think it means to fast food. But I want to challenge you this week for seven days to go on a word fast with me. And I want you to refrain or to try to refrain offering it to God as a word fast. Because Jesus says when you fast, not if you fast. But to offer God a word fast and to say, I am not going to let anything come out of my life. I'm going to fast from being critical. Some of you need to fast from being critical. Uh, I'm going to fast from gossip. I'm going to fast from any negativity coming out of my mouth. I'm going to fast from anger. I'm going to declare a word fast. Now remember, no man can tame the tongue. That's what James told us. And so for you and I to do this, we're going to have to lean hard on the Lord to begin to tame this. We're going to have to ask him to flip the master switch. But for seven days, anybody up for it? For seven days, let's try a word fast. I, I'd be interested, journal it, send me your journal if you can, and let me know what God is doing. I'd love to hear the stories because I really believe if we take this seriously and we really try it, I think it's going to make a difference in our life. Remember, the man who's able to bridle his tongue is mature and complete. He's perfect, which is mature. So part of the maturing as a Christian for us is going to begin, to begin watching what's coming out of our mouth. So that's my challenge for you this week. Seven days of a word fast. And ask the Lord to make you sensitive because for some of us, it's such a part of our life that, that it is... You know, we don't even realize we do it. And so, Lord, can you make me aware? And so verbal abstinence, seven days, let's try it. And then one last thing I just wanted to share with you, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Now, a million times I've said to you, what is, a, what is the soul when the Bible talks about soul? your mind, your will, your emotions. So whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his mind, his will, his emotions. Women, I'm going to talk to you about that. Emotions from trouble. Isn't that a fascinating scripture? So let's try our word fast. I want you to really notice that James is saying this is, a, I'm devoting a whole chapter to the mouth. There must be a reason for that. Just want to read you one last quote before we close. I loved this. It's by um, 
Steve Darby, he says, our tongue is like a pilot light that burns as long as there is gas in the line. We'll never get rid of that pilot light because just because the gas line reaches down to hell and the supply of gas is endless. Just flip the, the, just a flip of a carnal switch and it will burst into flames and the flames can last as long as you keep the switch on. Let me read it again because I stumbled over that. Our tongue is like a pilot light that burns as long as there is gas in the line. We'll never get rid of that pilot light because the gas line reaches down to hell and the supply of gas is endless. Just flip the, just the flip of a carnal switch and it will burst into flames and the flames can last as long as you keep the switch on. Let me flesh that out for you as we close. Every morning when I go down to study, I study by, we have a gas fireplace. And I love nothing more than on a cold fall morning to sit in front of the fireplace, flip the switch, and you, if you go down in the morning and it's dark in the room, you can see a small little pilot light that's lit in the, the gas fireplace. It doesn't have any heat. It just is there for when I flip that switch. And then, poof, it, tur it, it lights the fire in my gas fireplace. And I love it. And I can let that on all day long. It'll keep burning, burning, burning because thanks to, you know, we energies, I've got an endless supply of gas in my fireplace. So when I read that, I thought about my fireplace. And he's saying the mouth is like that. It's got an endless, it's a pilot light, and it's got an endless supply of, of gas from hell. And the enemy wants us to flip the carnal switch instead of keep the master switch off and just let it burst out and say whatever it wants to say. And our job is to keep that switch in the off position. And so that word fast that I ask you to take this week, I really want to challenge you with it. Journal as you go through it. Don't quit just because you messed up. Just ask God to make you sensitive to it. Are my words critical? Are my words judgmental? Are my words gossiping right now? Are my words nasty and unkind? Or are my words building up and encouraging? Am I leaving a footprint behind of Jesus so that somebody's life can progress spiritually in a greater measure? So, Father, I thank you for the men and women that are here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that as we step out to enter this word fast, Lord, that you would make us mindful that it's not something we just hear here tonight and walk away and forget about, Lord, that we really would accept the challenge to live that fasted lifestyle and to choose that when we want to indulge that we're going to yield to your spirit and let you flip that master switch to the off position. Father, I pray, I pray that the words of James will go down deep in our spirit tonight, Lord, that they would embed deep within us and that we would be mindful, Father, that while our tongue is small, it has the potential for great destruction, for great damage, or the potential to speak a great deal of life. Make us mindful, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen.